the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It's Thursday the 17th. You are tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. Marsha, good morning. Good morning. And you promised me good weather, like maybe with a little rain. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah. I'm it's looking nice forward morning. to that. It's a nice morning. It's a nice morning. I went out to take the dog for walk around town this morning and almost didn't want to come into work it was so nice out right well, it, well at least i'll say it's because it was nice out relative <laughs> relatively speaking um you know i drove in it was in the 40s and that yeah. felt balmy <sighs> feels nice out yeah. unfortunately it's gonna rain so it'll be a nice day to spend inside i guess but nice nonetheless and our first guest is joining us in studio it's city of martinsburg mayor kevin knowles how you doing mayor good morning i, I could hear the birds chirping this morning oh, isn't that how nice? nice is that i actually saw a robin like flying overhead it not hopping in my yard which they nor- normally do but i'm like you know what it's happening. Spring is gonna right be around here. the corner. It's right around the corner. We are really glad to have you in studio. Oh, I'm um, glad to be here. It's nice to to have like a sense of normalcy returning. We know mm-hmm. we had that for like a month and a half back in the summer, but right. that it's was short lived. Yeah, but it seems like I mean numbers are going down. <laughs> Cases are, seem to be going down. Well, everywhere, not just here in the Panhandle or in the state of West Virginia. It seems like everywhere. So hopefully. Uh, you know, and it's now that we're getting into nice weather, we can kind of, you know, actually get back to a, a, what they call the quote new normal. So right. uh, we'll see. So legislative session is ongoing. And I know in a previous iteration, when you were a, a city council person, uh, you know, you actively were part of a an effort to lobby the state lawmakers. So is there anything going on on the horizon with the state legislature that affects municipalities? Well, I, I still am involved with the Municipal League as past president, and I'll always be involved in the lobbying aspect of things for the city of Martinsburg. And, you know, there there has been some things that, that have popped up that we've had discussions with our with our delegates and our senators, and, and we feel confident that the, uh, the individuals that are down there are going to make the best possible decisions for the municipalities. Uh, now, on the other hand, uh, you know, the Municipal League is keeping an eye on that so that if there is something that pops up, uh, we can get all of our, um, or how I say, all of our guns together. And, <laughs> <laughs> all your ducks guess, in a row. I, guess, yeah. I, better, I better, better watch how I say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> say, get all your ducks in a row. Yeah, that's get for all sure. our ducks in a row, you know. But what are some of the things you're kind of keeping an eye on down in the uh, legislative session? Well, so, you know, they, there's a, there's a, uh, a talk always about... Um, uh, eliminating uh, B&O tax and sales tax or, or choosing one or the other. And, uh, of course, uh, for the city of Morrinsburg and other cities, uh, that's detrimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, your B&O tax has been around since the uh, early 1900s, and that's one of our um, biggest revenue sources within the city for our city budget. We have a city budget of $19.5 million, and uh, you take out, 
eight million plus of B and O tax, you know, that's forty one percent of our budget. What yep. do you do to replace that? Uh, same thing with sales tax. Yes, we did get sales tax, and and uh, part of that um, was that we needed to reduce some of our B and O tax, and we we did. Didn't say eliminate it. Doesn't say that in the the bill. Uh, but people have it in their head that that you know that was the intent. Well, intent and what is written are two different things. So they're they're trying to there's talk about trying to change that. And you know that's I, I get it. I'm not a you know I I I'm a business owner in town. I don't like being old tax, and but I know that uh, it's a necessity because yeah. it it pays for all the services that I wouldn't get elsewhere. I mean, police, fire, you know, keeping my streets clean, uh, garbage collection. Paving, uh, you know, counties don't pave and state states do, but trying to get them on a list to, to pave Queen Street, King Street and all that, it's very tough to do. So uh, I believe that, you know, anything trying to work at trying to take that control away from local municipalities, especially uh, ones that have been given the home rule that have been allowed to be able to do that uh, with the sales tax and, and, and that with the, the B&O tax has been there for forever, uh, has taken the city to different Heights. I mean, if you take if you go back five, five seven years, this is a whole different city. You know, uh, as a direct result of all the things that the city council was able to do, and and uh, you know, out of that four point five million of sales tax that we get, over two million goes back into our our general budget to fund things that we weren't able to fund in the past because we didn't have the revenue sources there. We that money goes to. To, to pensions, the police and fire pensions that we were falling behind on. The number, that four point that you just uh, expressed, was that that one percent boost that the home rule gave you? Cor- correct. No, okay. and out of that, out of that four four point about four point one point four point five, uh, over two million of that goes right back into our general fund to make up for the 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 BNO that we reduced and also uh, all the things that we were able to take care of that we needed to take care of. Not to mention the other monies being going to projects that we've been able to, to move forward here that have been on our books forever. I and mean, we we have over fifty projects that uh, we've already voted funding for throughout the city. So our guest this morning is Mayor of Martinsburg, Kevin Knowles. Um, there have I know you guys are doing your your budget process, and and there have been a lot of um, agencies that have come up and done presentations, particularly for some of those COVID relief funds. How's that whole process going? Well, the, the, the COVID relief funds, uh, I think you're talking about the, the over $9 million that we were mm-hmm. able to receive. And, and over $7 million of that went into our um, to, to city projects, things that, that, that related to the, the, the COVID and what it was related to. And we were able to allocate $1.1 million to outside different uh, organizations and we had a process in place uh, went on for a few months it was a very short uh, um, uh, application to put into Shane Farthing our economic development director and and uh, you know the council had made some decisions uh, you know we couldn't fund everybody uh, but uh, some of the bigger ones were you know parks and rec to do things within the city uh, I believe they were somewhere around the the, the five five hundred thousand or somewhere in that mm-hmm. area i can't give you the exact numbers but uh, i know that we we funded the apollo i mean mm-hmm. uh, you take a look at uh, uh martin street what we've done in martin uh, down on martin street city council put together a plan down there and and been able to build that up and if you haven't been there i, I suggest going down there 
I also suggest going down there at night and see the wonderful lighting that we have because that's going to be our street ca- streetscape moving forward. So the lighting that you put in at the parking lot there at Martin Street? Well, and, the, and on the street even, itself? Yeah, even the streets itself. Yeah. And, and, and you don't see any parking meters down there either. So we're no. looking at different parking aspects. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we, we decided that, uh, you know, as, as part of my my mission and the city's mission is that we want to build our arts. We want to make things uh, attractive to the city. And one of the things that I always believed in that, you know, that, that Apollo Theater is a, is a jewel in the mm-hmm. middle of that. And so anything that we can do on our end uh, with plans to be able to bring that up to, uh, to its standard where, um, you know, when I was with the Municipal League, I had an opportunity to travel throughout the state and I saw some wonderful theaters that were mm. that were redone by both public-private uh, partnerships and, and that's what we're looking at. So uh, we got that and and then we were able to allocate money to the Roundhouse and that Roundhouse, again, is one of those things that sits right in the middle of the city. Uh, we've been working very closely with the county and all the county and, and the Roundhouse Authority is going to give us an opportunity to appoint three uh, representatives from the city onto that board, which which it hasn't been like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot of continuity and a lot of collaboration amongst a lot of different organizations. Yeah, oh, that's that's great. Yeah, again, speaking with the uh, city of Martinsburg mayor Kevin Knowles. Now, you talk about all the money, and we've been talking about all the money that's going to be coming in from you know different parts of the government, whether it's state uh, or you know the U.S. government. But uh, a lot of that money is going towards a lot of projects, and you've been announcing a lot of different projects. What is the kind of the time frame for, you know, uh, that Frog Hollow Spur that was just announced? And also, I remember you and uh, uh, Mark, Mark coming in talking about the underpass, you know, getting started to get worked on maybe this spring, summer. So where are kind of the timelines on some of the big projects? Well, I'm, I'm going to give them t- the best that I have right yeah. now. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, we, we just, uh, it was a process to go through that Frog Hollow Trail I've always heard CSX is a little tough to deal with at well, times. Well, um, I want to thank CSX yeah. for for, donate, for donating. The, you expected the mayor to throw shade after they just the donated the, the trail, and also Argos. I mean, Argos was very instrumental in in, uh, right. in doing that, and and during that process, you know, there was a bridge involved, and that was one of the things that we were a little sketchy about because we would have to take control of that, and if the bridge needed a lot of work, that could be a a money pit. So we, we did our due diligence and we made sure that everything was up to speed and for everything that we need. And it's our hopes that we get to start that in the spring, you know, mm-hmm. and may hopefully see some kind of rendition of that by summer or end of summer. Um, that trail will be working with uh, the county also to try to connect that trail to the Route 9 trail. Uh, that goes all the way to Charlestown. So See, that looks like it's going to be. I watched the uh, virtual walkthrough video that's up on the City of Martinsburg Facebook page yesterday, and uh, there's so much green space yes. through there that you would never expect. It's going to be such a pretty trail to walk down. Well, yeah, and you know, it's an opportunity for people to come to the area if they're bikers or walkers. Mm-hmm. They can walk and bike or uh, go from Martinsburg to Charlestown, and you know that's that that. That is beautiful in itself. It's impressive. Not to mention that that trail is going to now come across and it's going to catch different parts of the city. So it, we had did some work under Burke Street. We did the mm-hmm. Burke Street underpass. And if you go under the underpass, there's a basketball court. There's a nice little sitting area. And then there's a walking path that's going to connect to that, that's going to now connect to the um, the roundhouse. Yeah. And then across to our, we have a Creekside project that we're mm-hmm. working on that we did a study on and, I'm all excited about that. That's going to be a little bit down the road, but that's going to come across that uh, Queen Street underpass in that area. 
And that Queen Street underpass should be. We should start doing stuff on that. Uh, hopefully this summer, start getting that to work. And and if you haven't seen the renditions of that, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a beautiful uh, gateway into the downtown area. And we're we're really excited about it. And and I can't speak highly enough of, of Mark Baldwin, the staff, and Andy Blake, and everybody that's been putting a lot of work and a lot of time and effort into this. Uh, the staff at the city hall for the city is just phenomenal. And mm. That's one thing as as mayor, I get to see a little bit more of that on a regular basis than I did as a city councilman. Right. And and you know, to be quite honest, you know, I would always, as a councilman, you might have a question because you don't see it out of sight, out of mind. But I, I see the hard work and the dedication that each and every one of the city employees put into the city. Well, I've been here almost exactly a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, with fresh eyes seeing a new place, it's been incredibly impressive to see the amount of projects that get st- that have been started and then have been finished in just, you know, the year that I've been around to see them. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely impressive to see how well your crew works down there at the city. Yeah, they, they, and, and if you take a look at just the last couple of events, you know, downtown, the, the Main oh, Street, Martinsburg, yeah. mm-hmm. and we're having, they're having their first St. Patty's Day. So that oh, seems like oh it's really? Be, Is that then, happening? Hey, that, we had Robbie in. That seems like it's going to be a blast. <laughs> well, you know, being an Irish mayor. I, oh, I, oh, that's it, right. It kinda, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of fits in nice Does for Does that me. mean you get first dibs, like your first in line? You're I, the I would, no, I would I would make pull. sure everybody goes first before me. Aww. Well, you're better. If I was the mayor, I'd pull that mayor card in a right, second. Like, you know who I am? <laughs> well, the, you know, it, it's funny because now my great-grandfather was the first um, fire chief in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Okay. So the first thing I went when we were having our first St. Paddy's Day celebration, I went down to the firehouse. And in the firehouse, they have a picture of every one of their chiefs. Mm-hmm. And the first one who's the chief was Martin Quinn. Doesn't take an Irishman to know that that's an Irish name. <laughs> so I reached out to, you know, he has some relatives that are still in the area, a great, great mm-hmm. grandson that reached out. And we talked and we got some nice information on. We're going to honor honor him throughout the, uh, the hopefully the, the council meeting on the 10th and the different different times through, throughout March. So wow. I'm, I'm excited about that to be That's able to, cool. to bring that That is that cool. Out. And, and it's been, you know, we've had such a focus on Berkeley County history in particular with the 250th. So it's really nice to look back regionally. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, he, he this, this fire chief brought it from horse-drawn water to the fire to engine incredible. oh wow look how much faster we can get yeah. to your I know. incredible isn't it? to your home mrs o'leary unbelievable <laughs> and, and and it's my understanding that um he also was um trained in new york city at the time wow and he brought all that experience because new york city was one of the fir- i think was the first mm-hmm. fire department and brought that experience back to the area and has carried that on throughout the uh, throughout the time that things are here how about that so um one of the things we wanted to mention before we let you go we have this beautiful new uh police department we mm-hmm. can still call it new mm-hmm. what's happening with city hall well the plan always was that we you know once once uh, the, the police station was completed and they moved in that we needed to expand because we've come a long way over the years since the 80s uh we need to have more space for our employees and and so we had a plan to, to, to revitalize and refurbish uh, the downtown city hall so that's going to start in august uh, we had to uh, acquire some temporary space because we don't want to be around mm-hmm. and we don't want the citizens and customers coming into City Hall while work's going on. So we're going to be right across the street here. Uh, Is that Vi- right? Viking Way. Uh, we're going to be in Viking Way here. Uh, on the old Tanger property? Yeah, we're going to be in that in that property there and we're going to be there a, a good two years, maybe, maybe a little bit more. But uh, all of City Hall's operations will be moving up here and we should be up here uh, the time frame 
at this time is any time between the end of May and beginning of June. That just means the city employees can now like walk down to Angelo's and uh-huh. walk back, walk the pizza off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's a little easier to get uh, Ben the mayor's ear. Yeah. Well, yeah. Being that close. We yeah. can walk over and do that. No excuses. He'd have to like walk <laughs> walk across the street. Exactly. And come oh, you do on site. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Remote. On say, you'll have to, you'll have to bring it so far. Absolutely. But we've been speaking with uh, City Martinsburg Mayor Kevin Knowles. Unfortunately, we got to get to our first break of the day, but I appreciate you coming in, taking some time out of your busy day to chat with us. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm. Swing West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed it for the break, we had Martinsburg Mayor Kevin Knowles on, talking about some of the things that he's keeping his eye on down the legislative session, the COVID mm-hmm. relief money, different city projects that are going on, which there's a lot of stuff happening with the city of Martinsburg. So if you missed any of that conversation with the mayor, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. And they're all vacating the buildings so and get refabbed. <laughs> and they're going to be I was over waiting for him to say they were moving to just completely to another building, like that old big old YMCA building. Mm-hmm. Or uh, is that what the one on the corner where the Doughboy statue used to be? Right. Oh, the federal building. Federal the building. Federal yeah, building. that'd be that place looks so that, cool. That place would need some serious shoring up before you put yeah. city employees. That in place there, looks so, so like, cool. Anyway. Oh, it, it does look cool, but um, I think it has sat empty for a bit. Yeah, and looks ain't all. All it needs to the be. The bricks you know? started falling off at one point. That Ooh, was a, that goodness. was in the news cycle. Yeah, so it it needs a little <laughs> Maybe help. I need to revise that. Maybe we that. don't put the the um, <laughs> precious <they're... laughs> city employees in the stodgy old federal building yeah maybe they're doing all right with their plan but uh yesterday the big news was you know uh morgan and jefferson county and their masks mandates and even frederick county virginia with their mask mandates everybody's kind of waiting now on berkeley county to see what they're doing and it seems like they're starting to consider different options so berkeley county schools superintendent patrick dr patrick murphy announced yesterday sent a note out to parents that um it will be an item on the agenda for the school board meeting meeting on monday they will consider it. And um, he acknowledged that, look, we, we realize that um, neighboring district, districts are making changes to their face covering procedures. But he said, quote, until any changes are voted upon by our Board of Education, the school system will continue to operate under the current face covering protocols and procedures, end quote. And how much pressure do you think they're feeling right now? Right. For well, a decision. And and I, I think in the wrap that Jeff Jenkins had put together it pointed out uh, someone that he had a health department person was like, you know, you know, obviously different other places in the county around these school systems, you know, aren't enforcing a mask mandate. And they're kind of like islands at this point. And mm-hmm. of course, Morgan County's went into effect immediately. Yeah. Jefferson County's is supposed to go into effect on Monday. Staff will still be wearing their masks through the end of the week, but for all intents, um, a student who comes in maskless isn't going to get dinged. It almost kind of feels like Berkeley County has to do it. At well, this point. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got a high, uh, a larger population. Yeah. You know, our numbers look bigger. Is it per capita, you know, percentage wise, any bigger? Do we have more of a concentration? I know we tend to be 
one of the first places that gets the variants. Mm-hmm. And if there's another surge, because, you know, all of the traffic and we're such a bedroom community right. for folks who work, you know, in, in town, in the big city. But um, so, I, you know, I, it's probably good that they're being cautious. Yeah, absolutely. But there is a lot of public pressure for them to drop the mask mandate. Mm-hmm. Especially with Jefferson and more, I mean, all the counties, you know, I, I don't think Washington County, Maryland, I don't know what they're I'm not sure is. either. But at least, you know, the panhandle counties, I mean, your book ended by two mm-hmm. counties that have just, you know, completely taken the mask mandates and, you know, taken them away. So, yeah, tons and tons of pressure. I would not want to be the person having to ultimately make that decision. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a story up at Panhandle News Network, uh, a few stories about the different announcements mm-hmm. and all of that. So you can read that there. Um, and we'll, we'll see come Monday. Yeah, absolutely. And coming up here in just a few minutes, we have WVU Medicine Dr. David Plitt on to talk about uh, what he's called inter... You got, I don't know if I can say this word, Marcia. Interventional. Interventional. Why, why did it so long I don't for me know, to say interventional? I, you thought it was going to be a big high I really did until I actually read term. it and realized it was interventional. How do you say this word, Apple? How do you say medicine? <laughs> medicine. Yeah, oh interventional cardiologist. So he's going to help you keep <sighs> your heart healthy. Is it Friday yet? It's Friday Eve. Oh, well, I need Friday to be here. Definitely. But anyways, we're talking to Dr. David Plitt here in just a few minutes on Panhandle. I can't believe I didn't know how to say interventional. <laughs> okay. Just oh, sound it out, buddy. Sound it out. Oh, Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit our new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewinner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. And joining us on the phone from WVU Medicine, it's Dr. David Plitt. How are you doing this morning, doctor? I'm very good. How are you? Good. good. Thank you for joining us this morning. So we should mention he is an interventional cardiologist with WVU Heart and Vascular Institute here in the East Region, serves Martinsburg and Winchester, and it happens to be American Heart Month, so big deal for you guys, right? It is, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's important, especially amidst all the other health issues going on with COVID, to remember that you know heart disease is still you know a major uh, killer and sort of our n- number one enemy as as we all grow older. So it's good to be reminded of that during February. Now, uh, there have there been parallels with you know maybe having some sort of a heart you know deficiency or you know something going on with your heart and COVID? Has there been any tie with that at all? You know, there is, um, I think, um, you know, we do know that viruses, um, any virus, you know, common cold viruses can affect the heart and in rare situations and can cause conditions like pericarditis and myocarditis and inflammatory conditions that are probably due to the general inflammation that any sort of infection causes. And there's probably some immune sort of uh, um, issues that, you know, cross reactivity that, that happens in our bodies with these viruses rarely. Um, so the same is true with COVID, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's so many cases of COVID, just like there's so many common colds, and there's really rare or uncommon reports of associated heart issues. So it's always hard to say that, you know, it's it's a direct correlation because it, most people don't get these things, but mm-hmm. there certainly is a, a, a rare or, you know, or, or, or occasional correlation with, with certain heart conditions in COVID. And the other thing, of course, is, you know, it, it's, 
because of all the hospitals being so full and people not wanting to be exposed to other sick people, there's also this sort of delay in presentation of people who have other non-related illnesses, you know, that can be heart-related. So there's there's those issues, too. So I'm not sure if you've seen this or had any experience, but um, you know, there, there had been some efforts to, uh, by some uh, media outlets, I'll, I'll say, to say that um, some youngsters who took the COVID-19 vaccine ended up with myocarditis. Have you seen anything like that regionally with teenagers or athletes um, who've either gotten COVID or, or a vaccine? Yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, I, I have not personally seen a case like that. Now, again, I don't see pediatric patients. So, you know, that's, I don't see patients under 18. I'm an adult cardiologist. So, mm-hmm. So I'm shielded a little bit from that, um, but I do. I don't doubt that there is there are you know cases of that that happen. Again, it's one of those situations where the denominator is very large. So you know it's it's a small percent. So you know does that mean you shouldn't get it because there's a rare risk of something when there's benefits to to the virus, for instance? So um, you know that that's the debate that we get into w- about these issues. But but I don't. I, I, there are there 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 are enough cases where I think there is a link, but it's a rare link. Um, but I don't see them personally just because, again, I'm, I don't see pediatric patients. So Teresa McCabe sent us this great article that you wrote mm-hmm. back in the fall mm-hmm. um, about an, an aspirin. I was going to say apple mm-hmm. a day, an aspirin yeah. a day. But, and, and we've, you know, a lot of us right. have those big, those giant, of a certain age, have mm-hmm. those giant bottles of aspirin because I think in my head, I think, okay, if I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack, I'm yeah. just going to eat a bunch of a- aspirin. And it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right, all good. Right, right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, right. You get, then you get an ulcer. No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> then you really give yourself a problem. No, no yeah. So I did. I did write that article, and you know, I did it in response. There were so many patients that you know were up on the news, and that's a good thing for people to be, you know, uh, engaged in in sort of the latest, you know, sort of medical news that comes along. And often they they see things in the newspaper, on the news, you know, on the internet, of course, you know. And and so you know, the right thing is to bring it in and discuss it with your doctor. And I had a lot of patients come in and ask me, you know, hey, I'm seeing news here that. We shouldn't be taking our aspirins like we were always told to do for so many years. And, and so I wrote that in response to that. I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's a very relevant and important issue today. And, you know, the, 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 the bottom line is that, you know, there's, there's studies that are 20, 30 years old that, that showed that taking a baby aspirin a day could help minimally reduce the risk of a first heart attack or a first stroke. And um, there's been more recent studies, you know, in the past couple years that have sort of called that into question. And it's good whenever time goes by, like 20, 30 years, to sort of reinvestigate some of these issues because other things change in life. Like now we treat blood pressure more aggressively. We treat cholesterol more aggressively. People, you know, we're, we're more aggressive with trying to get people to quit smoking and doing all these other preventative things. And so we have to ask, you know, is, is, that still, is there still a role for people taking their aspirin a day with these other things being treated more aggressively? And, and essentially what these more recent studies showed is that there's really minimal, to, if any, benefit, and there's certainly also minimal risk with taking a baby aspirin a day. Again, this is for people who've never had a heart attack or a stroke or any major vascular event. So what we call primary prevention. So that's the important thing to keep in mind. So, you know, there's been situations now where I've, I've stopped people's aspirins or certainly said you don't need to start it where 20 years ago we might have said the opposite. And, again, it's, it's keeping in mind that it's because we're treating these other things more aggressively now. And so, uh, but, again, this is all for people, you know, for primary prevention. People who've had a heart attack, had a stroke, had a stent put in, those people should almost uniformly remain on their aspirin. They're at higher risk. So, 
but yeah, but that's uh, that was the purpose of the article. So I know some genetic issues are hard to find, and maybe they never show up, and you never know that they're actually a factor. Mm-hmm. But but in your practice, mm-hmm. do you see more of a concentration of folks whose heart troubles hail from genetic factors or because of lifestyle? Certainly, I think predominantly, and again, this is you know largely we I know I see you know strictly adult uh, patients and. You know, most of my patients tend to be in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and, you know, that's where we really see the accumulation of lifestyle uh, factors play a role. So most people certainly have, um, you know, predominance of lifestyle factors that we, we try to control and are, are I think, more important. Um, there certainly are genetic uh, conditions that we do see um, that contribute mostly to sort of premature or what we call sort of early onset heart conditions. You know, when we see people who are in their 20s or 30s who might come in with a heart attack, which is rare, you know, there's a genetic component to that. And a lot of times it can be a genetic um, issue with, with, with cholesterol. People have just really high cholesterol that's genetically mediated. And a lot of times, uh, but there's other things too. Sometimes genetic arrhythmia disorders can occur. And usually those will present in, in people who are of younger age, 20s, 30s, and again, sometimes in the pediatric population. So that, that it's kind of known to us in the adult world when we, we sometimes inherit these patients. So, you know, a lot of it is, is age-related in terms of what group you're seeing, what age group you're seeing. But mostly, I would say lifestyle factors predominate in the, the types of pathology that we see. And speaking with WVU Medicine, Dr. David Plitt, mm-hmm. interventional cardiologist with WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Uh, with it being Heart Health Month, and we only have just a few minutes, unfortunately, till we have to get to our last break uh, of the hour. But what are some things we should be doing, uh, you know, to keep an eye on our heart, if that makes any sense, and, you know, make sure everything's running as it should be? Yeah, it's a great question. So this is relevant to all of us, right? Uh, um, so, um, you know, first of all, I'm a big believer in prevention. You know, I think a lot of the stuff we do while vital, you know, in terms of these big things that people hear about, you know, putting stents in, doing ablations and all these sort of major uh, things that, that, that are, you know, uh, um, interesting and, and sort of awe-inspiring to, to see and hear about and talk about. I think the most important thing we can all do is good prevention. And, you know, we all have choices that we can make to help keep our hearts healthy. Um, you know, eating a healthy diet, you know, which I think a lot of us know mostly what we should be eating and what we shouldn't be eating, but doing it is often hard. Um, you know, trying to eat fish in your diet, trying to avoid the fast foods and a lot of the processed foods help maintain a healthy weight. Regular exercise, you know, five days a week trying to get 30 minutes in of where you're not just, you know, leisurely walking, but where you're really getting your heart rate up, where you're feeling a little bit of a sweat, you know, those kinds of things. And of course, not smoking, you know, these are all things we can all do. And that is really, a, a, those things are huge. And, uh, you know, they go a long way. Um, of course, with your doctor, too, keeping an eye on your blood pressure, shooting for a goal of 130 over 80 or under, which is a little bit stricter than we used to say, and then monitoring your cholesterol and making sure that that's being, you know, controlled and that the, the various cutoffs of what we say is high or low really is person-dependent nowadays. There's not a, a specific number that I can give. But, you know, those are the big things to, to really keep an eye on. And if you have diabetes, working on your sugar control with your doctor, and there are medicines now that don't just lower blood sugar but can reduce the risk of, of heart complications specifically. So these are all things that we can all be doing. And we've been speaking with WVU Medicine, Dr. David Plitt, interventional cardiologist with the WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us this morning. This is definitely some informational stuff and stuff, like you said, that all of us need to kind of keep an eye on and keep in the back of our heads. So thanks again for joining us, doctor. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Again, it is Heart Month, so make sure you're keeping an eye on all of that. Of course, uh, with it being my family on stream, they listen on stream instead of on real radios, like they should be doing. 
Uh, they're always a little bit behind, so I'm sure I'm going to get a ton of questions that they wanted me to ask the doctor, uh-huh. but uh, didn't. But there's still During a lot of great break. information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still a lot of great information there. So if you missed any of that, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today over on our Panhandle Live Facebook and Spotify pages. But coming up after the break, had two huge, huge wins at the Butcher Center last night, both men's and women's Rams basketball taking a win over uh, the Millersville Marauders, and uh, especially a big win for the men. And we'll talk about that. And here from uh, Kyle Daggett and Marley McLaughlin uh, talking about their wins last night here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving us Virginia and Maryland. Visit a new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. Jordan Icewinner, alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. Marsha, we had two big wins over at the Butcher Center last night on the campus of Shepherd University. The men's uh, team took an 89-71 win over Millersville, stopping their 12-game win streak. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that puts Millersville to 21-5. and that shows you how big of a win that was for uh, the men last night. But the women also added on a win right before the men's game, an 86-66 to win over Millersville. Now, that was a game that they definitely should have won, and they took care of business, as they like to say. But we were able to catch up with Kyle Daggett after the or senior Kyle Daggett after the Millersville win last night. He had 25 points, 9 rebounds in the win, and here he is. Back to the hardwood. Rams basketball is on WEPM and WCST. And we do have the big man with us, senior Kyle Daggett. 25 points, 9 rebounds in the win tonight. Now, you're coming off the back of you know a tough loss on the road at Lock Haven on Monday. What was the team's you know mindset coming into this matchup against a tough team like the Marauders? Yeah, you know, it was tough. Well, we had confidence because the last time we played them, we were down big and lost by like three, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So we knew we could hang with them if we just started out better. Um, so that's what we did today. We t- jumped on them early. We're making shots, crashing offensive glass, and just like that. Say, there were a couple big matchups, especially between you and their big man, Caden Nadawi. Now, mm-hmm. what was your you know, game plan coming in against him? I mean, you got to know that a lot of the eyes you know, are on you on the offensive end. Yeah, you know, he's really good. Uh, he's a really good big. We played last year in the playoffs, and he had a really good game. Uh, we played zone today. Uh, we knew we could get like, a couple guys digging on the ball. Uh, so it wasn't just me. It was my teammates as well. And then offensively, he just tried to like, seal it inside, use my strength. And my size just get easy layups. Well, you had another big game, 25 points, 9 rebounds, and the 89-71 win over the Millersville Marauders. Now, this year, you guys have been you know, pretty banged up, whether it's been right. injuries, sickness, things like that. How right. has it been, I mean, you being the senior, you being one of the leaders on the team, how has it been keeping the team you know, together, especially coming down a tough stretch at the end of the season? Right, you know, it's been up and down a lot. We've had guys out, COVID injuries, uh, like concussions, stuff like that. So we finally feel we're catching our groove right now. It's a good time to get hot going into the playoffs. The last couple games, we got a big game against uh, Bloomsburg and Ship at home. Uh, we're going on the road to East Stroudsburg this Saturday, so we're excited, looking forward to it. Yeah, Kyle, I've talked with Jordan a little bit about kind of like how you're one of the mentors on this team, and I've pointed two guys out, like Aiden Hewley and Carson Poffenberger specifically. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've said you're a mix of both those guys put into one. Carson more of a stretch four, Aiden more of like a down low type of big. Right. What's it, how's it been mentoring these two guys for when it's their time to come up when they you need them later on? In the right. Years? You know, I love those dudes. Uh, they come in and work since day one. Uh, I try to show them everything I know. Uh, and I am a little bit of a mix of both of them, but they're young. They're super young, so like they're going to mold into like all-around players and stuff like that. So, and it's nice because they're together. They can complement each other and just play together for four years. So, All right, yeah. again, Kyle Daggett, 25 points, 
nine rebounds in the 89-71 win here at the Butcher Center over a tough Millersville Marauders team. Good game, good win Thank today, and thanks much. for your time. Appreciate that. That was Kyle Diggett after their 89-71 win over the Millersville Marauders. A huge, huge win for the Shepherd Rams men's team, uh, especially beating as tough and as good of a team as the Millersville Marauders are with it being, oh, just a few games left in the season. Uh, and we were also able to catch up with the top scorer for the women last night, Marley McLaughlin, uh, after her 25.4 rebound game. We are Rams Nation. Shepherd basketball is on WEPM and WCST. I'm here with Marley right now. Marley scored a season high 25 tonight. How important was it for you getting that scoring early for your team today? Uh, I think it was really big. I didn't realize I had 25 points, um, but I, I was just thankful to be able to contribute the way that I did. Um, and then to get a lead that early in the game, it allows other people to get in the game and. I, I think that's really great. That yeah, was a big-time win right there, 86-66. to 66. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about the Clifftown game that happened over the weekend, mm-hmm. and it seemed like you had them figured out and you guys were coming back, and we were saying, like, we thought you guys were going to get them, and then it just slipped towards the end. You were talking about how that meant to you last time you came up here with us, and how good are you feeling about maybe seeing them back again in the PSAC tournament knocking them off a third time? Um, I'm excited. I... I thought we had them, too. In the third quarter, we, we kept turning them over. Uh, and then they just capitalized when we would make a mistake. When we would leave a shooter open, they would knock it down. And that was their way of picking up the slack of they, their 30 turnovers. Um, and I, I want to see them again. I want to say I want to see Bloomsburg again. Um, I want another chance at both those schools, but especially Kutztown. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll call up Marley's revenge tours. We're going to yeah. go with that. <laughs> you got a revenge tour coming up. So... You're senior. This is your last ride. You got three games left here in the regular season. Man, Rams uniform. I'd say the biggest of those is probably going to be next Wednesday here at home, Shippensburg. It's your last home game, senior night. How big of a game is that for you? Uh, it, it's big in terms of like competition-wise, but it being the last like home game per se in regular season and senior night, it's just so crazy how these past five years have flown by. Um, and it's sad, but I'm happy and. I'm really thankful to have had all five years here at Shepherd. Yeah, that was uh, Marley McLaughlin. I'm going to send it back over to Jordan. And that was us able to catch up with Marlon McLaughlin after their 86-66 win over the Millersville Marauders last night at the Butcher Center. Both men's and women's taking big wins. Again, 86-66 win for the women and a 89-71 win for the men. All coming down to some big games here down the stretch. Most uh, importantly, and the biggest game is going to be this coming Wednesday at the Butcher Center. Shippensburg coming into town. Shippensburg, Shippensburg, both men's and women's basketball are really good this year. And that being the last home game of the season for both the men and the women well it makes it even that much more important so uh yeah if you can make it out to the butcher center for any game it's definitely going to be the one coming up next wednesday but if they can't make it out then you can tune in right here to the bpm and wcst the panhandle news network your home for shepherd university basketball myself and parker stone that you heard there talking to uh, marley at mm-hmm. the end yeah but it was fun. It's always fun out at the Butcher Center, especially, I mean, it was packed in there again last night. You had the pep band going. You could hear oh, there wow. in that second interview, uh, kids running around with their pom-poms and stuff that they gave out a couple of games ago that people were still bringing in. And uh, it's it's always a super fun atmosphere, especially when the bas- or when the football team uh, gets going. And they were really getting under the skin of Millersville, a couple of the players last oh. night uh, after a couple of shots. I remember specifically, I can't remember who it was, uh, for Millersville. They hit a deep three-pointer and... Um, 
He either hit a three-pointer or maybe it was another play. Either way, somebody made a basket, and I think they had to go to the foul line. And uh, they hit the shot and stared at the football team. And all the football team did, all of them, was just stand up and point at the scoreboard because Shepard was beating them by like 20 at wow. the time. <laughs> so Are you kidding funny. me? In unison? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. You know, they bring those coordinated fields mm-hmm. off the football field sometimes. That's right. <laughs> But it's always a good time. <laughs> always a good time out at the Butcher Center. So if you can make it, come on out specifically, especially uh, next Wednesday. But if you can't, you can always tune in right here on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And then, of course, after the games, we always have uh, the interviews up over on our Facebook page as well. So you can share them and, you know, do whatever you need to do uh, with those. Nice. Yeah, we're all over Shepherd basketball. Hopefully, the men keep playing well. They can get a little bit, well, first, make the PSAC tournament, but secondly, get a good seed so they can kind of move a bit. And then the women, they just got to keep doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we might be covering Shepherd basketball for a while longer, Marsha, which I'm cool with. Yeah, that's not a bad problem to have. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know where the men's Division Two tournament is, like championship tournament is this year. But the women's is in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, that's going to be warmer. It would definitely be warmer. <laughs> Could you imagine if both of them are in it? What do we do then? Well, send like, Marley or send they... uh, Parker with the or Parker Riley, whatever you want to call him. Send him with the uh, women's team, and I'll go off with the men's team. I guess. Is I don't right? know. I thought you guys were a, a matched set. Nah, I'll leave him out there sometimes. Okay, I'll, I'll leave him. I'll got to remember to you know pick him up some days. Wow. No, I'm just it's like him. that, is it? I'm just messing, just messing. Sometimes I might just leave him at the gym just to, you know, make him make him remember sometimes, you know. I hope he's listening. <laughs> I'm sure he's I not. hope this comes back. I'm and sure you he's guys not. are sitting in the quiet in the dark in the van. <laughs> like so. He's like, hey, so uh I heard what you said. Was listening the other day. <laughs> Anyways, that just about does it for us here on Panhandle Live today. If you missed it, we had a jam-packed show. We had Mayor Kevin Knowles on. We had uh, Dr. David Pliff from WVU Medicine, uh, interventional cardiologist. Well done. Man, did that without even having to look, Marsha. Can you imagine that? (laughs) You had to redeem yourself. I I understand completely. Believe me. I feel so bad. I understand. I can't believe I... And I was genuine trying to figure out how to say the word interventional, well, thinking so, it was like yeah. intervascular yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but sometimes you look at words and you're like, that word doesn't make any sense. And it's a word you've used all your life. So I, you know, words are funny. Well, that word definitely made a lot of sense once I actually took the time to read it. But that does it for us today. Have a good one. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.